Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. We've got Bernard, and he wants to talk about the coaching staff. How you doing, Bernard? Hey, how you doing, Vinny? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Good. I just wanted to uh, comment and get your uh, take on a few things. So, football, you want to be good in, in three phases, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. And I think, obviously, uh, I think a lot of people agree the offense was very good, not great, only because of the red zone. Defense was poor, and special teams was really good. Uh, we could probably do a lot better on kickoff returns. I think the coverage was good. And so that I think that goes right back to the coaching staff, right? Offense was good. So that's Gruden. And special teams, I forget his name is. I can't pronounce it, but I know who he is. Very good Rich coach. Rich Pisaccia. Thank you. Very good coach. His record speaks for itself. Now, does that mean that we have poor players on defense? I, I don't think so. And when you talked to uh, Gus Bradley a few weeks ago, something that stuck in my head that he kept saying, he kept saying, you have to learn the learner. I don't know if you remember him saying that or not. And I, when he was saying that, it just made me think, man, this guy is a teacher. And the guys that he brought over with him are teachers. And he's. The, I look at our personnel on defense. I don't think we have poor personnel. I just think that they have to be in the better be put in a better position, you know, to, to win and to make plays. So I just kind of want to get you, get your take on that. Cause I look at the players and I'm like, man, that, we got some very good players that can be, that can perform a lot better, but they need some better coaching, man. And when he was saying learn to learner, I said, that, that's a teacher right there. And I have, haven't heard anything from the coach, from the players that we got now, but glowing things to say about him and the, and the new staff that we got. So I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah, and that is a great statement uh, and a great way to put it. Learn the learner. And it's so important uh, in life, not just, you know, in football, but as it relates to football, learn how people learn. Not everybody retains information the same way. Not everybody can be taught the same way. I think that in our schools, we're starting to learn that uh, or, or have begun to learn that and have adjusted the way teachers teach. You have to do it. Now, it's tough sometimes in school because you've only got 45 minutes, an hour uh, of, of class time with students. You've got 30 some odd kids uh, in your class. If, you know, sometimes 40 or so, uh, it's, it's hard to teach it repetitively over and over again in all the various ways that you need to, 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 to do it in order for everybody in the classroom to get it. But I think football coaches are beginning to understand how important it is to understand how people retain information. And we've talked about this before. There's certain players who, if you put it up on the chalkboard or on the whiteboard and draw it out for them, they're going to be able to get it just based on that. Uh, there's certain players who you verbally have to give them the information and explain it to them verbally. There's visual learners where maybe if you show it to them on video, 
uh, it comes across better and is retained better. There are certain players who you have to go out on the field and literally walk it out on the field with them. And that's how they retain uh, the, the information. And it's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think Gus Bradley, that's a low-key brilliant thing that he says is to learn the learner because if you – and that's part of getting to know guys – and having a personal relationship with guys. Remember, we talked to Cleve Farrell uh, in minicamp about Gus Bradley, and the first thing that he talked about was him, the man, and him trying to get to know everybody and, and, and talking to them, forget football, about life and about their life um, and, and, and uh, get, building a relationship because a, one of the best ways, uh, easiest ways, to figure out what makes somebody tick to the point of understanding how uh, to teach them and what what's the best way to get a, get the message across to that particular player. And you have to look at it as an individual, not just collectively, um, is to get to know that person. And so uh, everybody that we talk to and that I've talked to have raved about Gus Bradley in terms of that, in terms of... Um, him building a relationship, the X's and O's and all that is going to take care of itself. Um, but when you build a trust level, when you build a relationship, then everything else is going to organically flow from that point. Uh, and that's kind of what he tries to do. That's his MO, Gus Bradley. But getting back to your point of learning the learner, uh, I remember talking to um, Aubrey Pleasant. He's the Rams. He was the Rams defensive backs coach. He's now with the Detroit Lions uh, doing the same job there. And we talked about that, you know, and uh, teaching players and w exactly what we're talking about. And some guys get it on the chalkboard. Some guys get it visually on the video. Some guys you explain it to, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And for what he told me is, he goes, it's equally important, too, that everybody on the team and specifically the position group that you're dealing with understands that, hey, your teammates might learn differently than you do. And you have to have patience as a teammate to allow the coach, the teacher, enough time, even if it's repetitive to you, even if this is the third or fourth time that you've heard it, and maybe the third or fourth different way that you've heard it, to not complain, to not bitch and moan, to not tune out. Uh, because just because you've got it and now you're bored with it, you have to respect your teammate who may – this may be how uh, he learns, and this might be the best way. So this might be the fourth time for you, and I get that, but you got to be a professional, and you have to show your teammates respect um, and and allow that time and, and for, for me to be able to teach your teammate the best way possible for that teammate. So, um, you know, not all coaches – I don't think understand that um, or respect that or appreciate that element of it. I think more and more are are getting to understand, um, hey, w what you're doing for that guy, for number 26 or whoever, it's not working. He's not grasping it. He's not getting it. You have to take it a step further with him. This is how he best absorbs information. And you just have to be patient and understand that and figure it out. And one way or another, it's going to be 
you know, uh, absorbed by everybody, um, even if it's going to have to be a little bit repetitive in how you do it or, or taking it to the field or, or working on it with, with, the, uh, with a computer, you know, with, with one of the uh, uh, being able to, 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 to show it to them on a, on a video stream, whatever it takes, you got to figure out as a coach, as Gus Bradley said, you have to learn the learner. Uh, and make sure they understand that. You know, <clears throat> a coach that I talked to uh, a few years ago also put it this way as well. You know, you have to understand as a coach that you're literally dealing with, in your position group, on your team, let's just say on your team, on you know the 50-some-odd players uh, on, on, on your team, there might be times <clears throat> where your audience could be made up of <clears throat> a guy that went to Harvard, a guy that went to Stanford, <clears throat> Notre Dame, a guy that went to Southwest Kentucky State, you know. Um, so y- you have to you have to teach with that in mind. Like you're you're dealing with an array of uh, education backgrounds as well, and you have to understand that. And you have to teach it in a way that everybody grasps it. Like I'm going to tell you right now, I was not made out to go to Stanford or Harvard, all right? I just wasn't. I wasn't that smart in high school and in school. Maybe I didn't apply myself as much as I should have, whatever the case might be. But I, I just, I, there are certain subjects that, you know, I, I couldn't either grasp or was lazy when it came to that, whatever the case might be. Um, so I'm not knocking anybody because I'm amongst the people that I couldn't have been at Harvard. I couldn't have been at Stanford. I mean, I, I guess I could have. Uh, you know, maybe now uh, where, where things are different, but at that point, I, I, I couldn't. And so you have to understand that. So you're dealing with a wide array of, uh, you know, backgrounds and scholastic backgrounds and, and teaching methods and all that kind of stuff. And it's your job to be able to explain it in a way everybody ultimately understands it because your success is based on their success. Bill Parcells uh, told a great story back in the day. Uh, it was on his uh, the, the biography uh, about him. And um, he talked about how... Oh, uh, we're going to go to the uh, Raider Nation listener line because Joe uh, wants to talk about... Um, you want to talk about Richard Sherman. Joe, how you doing, man? Thank you for taking my call. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I saw it on the news a little you know, problematic, and uh, it's sad, you know, because I, I think the Raider fans at least coveted Richard Sherman, and I, I don't see that ever panning out, ever moving forward, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, but uh, I just wanted to see your take on that, and before you give me your take, I did want to say one Viacho. Go ahead. As you know. Ed, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. So, yeah, I just basically, I don't know if you heard what I said, I just wanted to get your take on it. I, I know it was a little sad to hear about all, everything that happened with Richard. And so, um, yeah, to- I mean, I, 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 I saw some of the reports. I don't, I haven't been able to really take a, 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 a deep look into what happened and what the allegations are and what led to it and all that. So it'd be, it would be kind of hard to comment, uh, at, at this point, it's just a little bit too early, uh, uh, uh for me. Um, could have been kind of a little bit busy uh, uh, today, but uh, it, it, it doesn't sound good, unfortunately. Um, but I don't know enough of the facts 
to, to really give any kind of a, a, a definitive answer. I'll, during the break, I'll try to uh, catch up with the latest. But to your knowledge, what is the latest? What's, what's, what, what, what was the latest on, on, on Richard? Well, here on uh, CBS in L.A., they released a 911 call from his wife. And the wife uh, basically had said, and I'm summarizing here, or is that uh, he wanted to break into the house and get some things, and he was uh, threatening to kill himself. And that's, you know, we've been, at least on your radio, and especially with ongoing things, we've been really open about talking about mental health. And so it, it's maybe possible there's some mental health issues, especially when somebody wants to kill themselves over Maybe yeah, that sounds, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm not in a position really at this point uh, to, to comment. I want to listen to that uh, to that audio tape uh, to get a better handle on it before I venture to, to, you know, it sounds like serious stuff, obviously. Uh, and, and, and mental health is, as, as we know, we, we, we've known for forever, really. Uh, but I think now, now we're starting to get more into a place where, People are more comfortable about talking about it. People are more open about listening to it. You know, when we had Solomon Thomas on recently, uh, and, you know, he's doing some really good things uh, in terms of mental health awareness um, and, you know, suicide awareness, you know, and, and how prevalent it is in certain communities and trying to break down the stigma of mental health and whether it's you yourself feeling it and understanding, hey, something's not right here, uh, but not being afraid to talk about it. You're not being afraid to um, confide in somebody about it because you're worried what their reaction is going to be. Uh, because, you know, um, I, I grew up in a time, I'll just say it, you know, where, hey, tough it out, be tougher, uh, you squash it, set it aside, you know, uh, it's nothing, you know, it's all in your head. Just, 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 just move on, you know, be tough, you know, and, uh, and that's not a healthy way to do it. And, and it's, it's, it's counter, uh, productive, it's counterintuitive and it does more damage than good. And I think that, you know, that, that kind of approach is probably still, uh, prevalent, um, you know, it, it, and unfortunately it is, and it's just educating people, not just, the person that's going through some issues to be able to have the confidence to confide uh, without feeling like they're going to be told, hey, you know, be a tough guy or it's all in your head, that type of thing. But also the education to the listener, to whoever that person decides to confide in, to not sweep it under the rug, to not say, hey, it's all in your head, forget about it, be, be tougher. You know, you're not supposed to be talking about that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and that's as, just as important as it is for the person that's going through some troubles to have the confidence to confide in it, because if they do that and then it's met with everything that they've been worried about it being met with, imagine being in that position. So it's, it's on friends and family members that when somebody that you care about comes to you with some issues you're, you're, you're open about it, you know, and you're, and you, and you, and you're a listener and you're a friend and Solomon Thomas, um, brought up a great point, which was, and don't feel like you have to solve it. People that are talking and expressing themselves, uh, along these lines, they're not looking for you to save the day. They're just looking for you to listen and to be open-minded about it. So, um, yeah, it sounds, uh, like a really tough situation. I haven't heard that audio tape yet. 
Um, you know, I know I read this morning uh, that 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 something had happened, obviously, and Richard had been um, arrested. Um, so we'll just have to kind of um, see how that all, all plays out. But um, you know, if he was feeling a certain way, I hope that he gets the help uh, that that he that he that he needs. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll uh, try to take a look at that uh, at that audio tip or, or listen uh, here when I when I get a chance. But uh, it is definitely a somber note. You know, whenever you see a player being arrested, and then it's Richard Sherman, who I think that you know we all have a lot of respect for. Um, just got to figure out what the facts are and hopefully thankfully nobody got hurt um and and whatever to whatever extent somebody needs some help right now um whether it's him whether it's uh his wife uh everyone gets the proper support uh that they need so um but uh yeah definitely a tough situation you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. We got John and he wants to talk about the contracts. I'm, I'm assuming he wants to talk about Raider contracts. Uh, how you doing, John? Vincenzo, my man. What's going on, John? Hey, have a good trip in Italy. Oh, I appreciate uh, that, brother. Looking forward to it. Hey, uh, I got two questions. Um, number one, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a new, I'm, I'm getting on the, the bandwagon here, Ray. Nice. Good, good. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the, the futures bet for the team total wins. And I just, I'm stunned that it's seven and a half. It just seems ridiculously low. I think good things are going on. And, yes. and, and number, and number two, uh, you know, when you get to know a team, unfortunately these days, you got to know the contract and who's getting paid how much and so on and so forth. And I'm going through the contracts and I'm noticing that a, a few players I stumbled on have voidable years attached to their contracts. They say it's really a two year deal. They have two, two voidable years. And uh, I, I'm I'm jumping off the Steeler bandwagon onto the Raider Nation bandwagon, and you know the Steelers did that with Ben this year just to get his cap number down this year, and and the Raiders don't seem to have much of a cap problem. I'm just curious why they're they're doing these voidable years uh, when they seem to have a healthy cap situation. Well, uh, who are you talking about? Was that the Corey Littleton contract? There were a, yeah, that was there were. A, I, I'm not in front of my computer right now. I, I, I should have looked it up and had my. Uh, line well, what, um, there, it's, there, it's there, not there, so there much. Yeah, it's not so much the voidable years that they're doing. What they're doing is they're they're um, they're doing their contracts in a way that when they sign a guy to a four year deal, let's say, all right, and and in recent history, um, Trent Brown, uh, Terrell Williams, a wide receiver. Uh, I think even LaMarcus Joyner kind of fit into that category. If you study the contracts, it's a four-year deal, but all of the guaranteed money gets paid over the first two years. So what it does is it, it puts the Raiders in a, in a great position after year two to decide, is this a relationship that we want to continue for the next two years or next year, or whatever the case might be, uh, or is it not working out and we feel like it's time to go in a different direction? And by, by paying those contracts, the guaranteed par- portion of those contracts over those first two years, it means whatever lo- is left on the contracts in years 
three and four are no longer guaranteed. So if the Raiders just decide we're going to release them, uh, it's there's no effect to their payroll. They don't owe another penny to the player or to the salary cap. So uh, they do it in a way that gives them as much flexibility in the future a, 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 as possible. And that's why they're in such good shape with the salary cap. If you notice, uh, I think next year, the salary cap is projected to go up to $208 million. As of right now, the Raiders are projected to have about $60 million under the salary cap. And part of the reasons for that is the way they do their contracts. They're not going to overextend themselves in a way that puts the salary cap in a perilous position down the road. They've done that. Teams have done that. Everyone kind of, you know, sets their salary cap a certain way. Uh, but the Raiders, I think, learned some lessons along the way. And they don't want to get into that world anymore. They don't want to get into a world where they're paying players not to pay or play here. Or, uh, you know, they, they, they suffer massive cap hits when that player leaves. And so he's eating up part of the part of your salary cap and, and, and preventing you from being able to go get, go out and get somebody else. So um, it's not so much voidable years. It's just not it's, it's just guaranteeing the big money the first couple of years of the contract and then maintaining uh, uh, great flexibility beyond that. If you look at Derek Carr's contract this year and next year, it's non-guaranteed. Um, you know, he got the bulk of his guaranteed money over the first few years of that contract. And since then, he goes on a year-to-year basis where the Raiders, if they so choose, they're not going to do this, but if they so choose, they could say, okay, Derek, time's up. We're going to move in another direction. And the remaining portion of his contract, which is $22 million this year, I think, and like $19 million next year or so, uh, they could walk away from that scot-free and not feel any sort of an impact on that. Though, like Big Ben had a, he had one year left, and he was like a forty million dollar cap it this year. So they restructured it. He's got a three year contract now. Everybody knows he's only going to play one more year, and then they tacked on two voidable years. And so these, you know, he's only he's a his cap it was greatly reduced this year. And then there's going to be a dead money charge now. It's just kicking the can down the road. And the yeah, let me look at. Uh, keep on talking because I'm going to look at the Steelers. I want to. I want. I remember reading or hearing that he was. They were restructuring that contract, um, and I'm going to take a look at it really, really quick here. Uh, give, give me one second. So, avoidable year is it's just it's just tacked on a couple years, and it, it enables you to spread the cap. It like yeah, no, I know the I, I know the um, you know the the concept for sure, and sometimes that can be a little bit dangerous because, and we'll see if. Um, where he is, he dropped all the way down to where oh, Ben Roethlisberger is now playing on a fourteen million dollar contract, current contract. Yeah, he's he's done after after this year. I mean, uh, it looked like whatever he was being paid, and yeah, that I, I see what they did. Um, uh, he went down to a base salary of $1 million this year, uh, got a signing bonus, turned that into a signing bonus of $15 million. Uh, looks like he gets a restructure bonus of nine. So so what they did was they took $15, $24 million um, out of salary and put it to bonuses. And right. the part, the, the issue is I'm, 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 they're going to have to still pay him, even though he might not play next year. He's not under contract next year. They're still going to have to pay him. 
uh, $2.5 million in a signing bonus. He's going to be a cap hit of $10 million, whether he plays right. or, or doesn't play, represents right. a $10 million cap hit next year. Now, they may restructure it again next year and, and then sign him and, and get out from under that. But um, that signing bonus prorates over five years. The last four years are voidable. So they did get a little bit creative uh, in, in that regard. They were so they were in dire straits, if I remember correctly, uh, with yeah, the Steelers. He, he was- he was a forty million dollar cap hit, but right. I get my I get my stuff from over the cap, and and uh, the only time I've seen voidable years was under like the Ben type situation. And when I was going through the Raiders contracts, I noticed a couple of them had voidable years, and I was like, "Geez, you know, the Steelers were desperate." I mean, he was a forty million dollar cap hit this year. There's no any, you know, he's done. There's no way. So, so basically, he was, he was, he was, he had one year left on his contract at forty million dollars. Is that kind of what I'm, what I'm reading here? Yeah, that was his. Uh, that was the cap. And I'm not sure it was cash out the door this year, but uh, they, you know, they restructured and restructured and restructured, and it just, you know, came down to this year. It was time to pay the piper, and it was going to be to the tune of forty million dollars. So they, you know, they 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 reduced his uh, salary this year. And they tacked on two voidable years, so they made it, you know, a manageable cap at this year. And then there's going to be a dead money charge next year, maybe for the next two years. I'm not sure. No, uh, it doesn't look like uh, I'm looking. I'm, I'm I'm voiding 2023 and dead cap zero, cap saving zero, dead cap uh, pre post. He, yeah, he doesn't. Co- he does. He will cost them if they. Uh, you know, um, if they if they if they void it next year or if they get out from under it next year. There is a um, if it's a pre six one release, dead cap is ten point three, um, and it's it's actually the same. It's either way. If he's if he's tra- if he's released before June first, there's a dead cap of ten point three. Um, if he's traded pre six one, there's a dead cap of ten point three. Um, if he's post released, you know, post six one release. Oh wow! Okay, uh, if he's released after six one next year in twenty twenty two, then there's a dead ca- that dead cap goes to twenty twenty three of a uh, of ten point three million dollars, and same if they trade him after six one next year. So uh, basically, what would happen is if they wait to release him after June first next year, the the dead cap hit goes from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. So that's kind of a creative way to, to do that. But yeah, you don't want to get into that into that world. It looks like they were able to kind of figure out a way um, that that. And I think didn't Ben say that he wanted to help the team a little bit? Like he was he was going to do something that that really you know was able to to help the team. And it looks like you know that's what happened. But you know there are going to be times where you get into that kind of a situation. And the Raiders over the years have been in situations like that, or just situations where. Um, you know, there were, there were the, the dead cap total, uh, was really damaging, especially with players that were no longer on the team, obviously. Um, and it, and it really limited them and it hurt them. Uh, they've, they've kind of wised up. Uh, they've got great leadership when it comes to the salary cap. There's people in that Raiders building who truly believe they've got the best guy in that role, uh, in the national football league. And, and, you know, that, the 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 cap person in any building is such a huge important person uh, in the buildings because you know they they sit over there 
and they have it, you know, they, 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 they know it and you have to listen to them and they're going to give it to you straight. And they understand uh, a very complicated situation like no other. Uh, and, and they're trying basically to keep you out of trouble in terms of, like you said, kicking the can down, down the road. Yeah. You can kick the can down the road. You could get some temporary relief here or there, but you don't want to keep doing that because eventually you have to pay the piper and, what the last thing you want to do is be paying the piper in terms of your salary cap when that player is long gone. Uh, you just don't want to get into that situation. So, um, you know, it's Tom Delaney is who does it for the Raiders, and he's very well respected uh, around the NFL. And if you look at the Raiders and where they are with their salary cap, they're in really good shape. And on top of that, you know, uh, if, 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 if Gus Bradley can work his magic with some of these young defensive players, uh, the Raiders are going to have a nice complement of young players defensively going into next year, along with a very favorable salary cap situation. Now you look at the offensive line, and you've got Colton Miller locked up. So you have cost certainty uh, with Colton Miller, your left tackle. Um, you know, uh, you got a rookie right tackle, so that's going to be favorable to the to the salary cap. You've got a quarterback going into next year. Uh, this year and next year, who's playing at a below market uh, uh, value. Josh Jacobs will be still on his rookie deal, as will Clee Farrell, Trayvon Mullen, Jonathan Abram, Max uh, Crosby. Um, so they're in a they're in a pretty good Trayvon Morig, obviously. They're in a really good position, especially if some of these players truly either pan out with the rookies or take big step forwards as these second and third year players. Uh, and if the, and if so, then they're going to be in a really, really, really good position uh, next year. So, uh, you know, kind of interesting to look at that and to, to talk about the Raiders in terms of being in good shape with salary cap. They were kind of one of those teams that was in salary cap hell there for a little while. Uh, they've they've lived to tell about it and they're they're in a much better position now. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch is in New Jersey. He wants to talk about wide receivers and tight ends. How you doing, Mitch? Good. Uh, Vinny, how you doing? You got your bags uh, packed? I do. I do. Absolutely. Ready to go. Smart guy. <laughs> yeah. Make, make use of time. Yeah, time is precious. Well, yeah. Well, especially when you have a wife that's like cracking the whip, you know, and making sure you stay on uh, on target. So um, that helps a little bit. We all we all need a little bit of uh, uh, you know swift kicks to the butt to uh, to make sure that we're we're uh, staying on time. Um, you don't mind me asking where you're going? I know you're not going to L.A. Or San Diego. I'm actually going to Italy, so um, looking forward yeah. to it. Uh, I'll be in Naples, Amalfi, um, the southern part of Italy, uh, visiting with some relatives that I have uh, in Italy. So, um, yep, headed to headed to Italy for a week. Well, have a great time. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. So, so it's not a great poker hand, but with the Raiders, they they have a legitimate one in their rugs. They want a top three tight end. And I like three, three of the world receivers, you know, the to get Edwards, or Renfro, I'm forgetting somebody else. That one from Buffalo. It's like John Brown, Willie receivers. Sneed, Hunter Renfro, um, Zay Jones, well, uh, Henry Ruggs, yeah, Brian Edwards. They, it's, there's, there's, it's an interesting group, and there's a lot of different uh, skill sets in that group. Someone's yeah. like a poke hand. Two ones. You know, two aces and three kings. Um, yeah. I'm not yeah. really going to lose too much credit for this, some of the other wide receivers, but uh, I think Carl's going to have a great year. Well, enjoy your vacation. 
Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, Mitch. Uh, uh, Q Myers will have us covered uh, throughout my absence, so uh, don't be a stranger. Uh, give Q a call. He's going to do a great job. Can't wait to uh, to listen in um, uh, wherever I might be, uh, whatever time it might be. Uh, but, yeah, I think the uh, this, this wide receiver group, I think there's some certainty. I think the Raiders know what they have in John Brown. They know what they have in Willie Sneed. I think Hunter Renfro, obviously, uh, is a known commodity uh, at this point, obviously, uh, you got to kind of throw Darren Waller into there. I know he's a tight end, but he's the um, you know the, the the best receiving weapon on the team, uh, and so they know what they have, uh, and they feel pretty good about it. I think they're going to feel really good, really good about it if Henry Ruggs uh, can be who they envisioned when they drafted him 12th overall uh, uh, last year, and if Brian Edwards can take a big step forward in, in year two. If that happens, that wide receiver room turns from pretty good. To potentially very good. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. <laughs> What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Wednesday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, getting excited uh, to uh, welcome some new family members into the fold. We'll get to that uh, soon after I get back. Uh, really excited uh, about what's going on uh, in that regard. Um, Excited, obviously, to to go on this vacation. It's been a little while. Um, really happy to see like the world is kind of opening up um, post COVID nineteen. Uh, but we also have to be really careful. Uh, but mostly, I'm excited about when I get back. The Raiders are, as will uh, you know, everyone else in the NFL, be opening training camp. And I actually think there's four teams that open it next week. Somewhere along the line, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously, they're going to play in that Thursday night uh, opener. I forget who their opponent is, but um, you know, I think the Steelers and, and Cowboys play in the Hall of Fame game, uh, the preseason Hall of Fame game. So, you know, it's all predicated on days out from your season opener or preseason opener uh, of when you start training camp. Uh, but there's four teams that are going to start training camp. I think the middle of next week. So we're getting there and the Raiders will, will follow very soon after here in Henderson, uh, looking forward to getting out to California. The Raiders are scheduled to practice against the Rams. My old uh, friends uh, w- with the Rams out in thousand Oaks, uh, right before their preseason game against the, uh, the Rams on August 21st over at SoFi stadium. I really believe that's going to be beneficial for uh, the Raiders and for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the Rams are, you know, among the favorites in the NFC in the NFC to per- perhaps represent the NFC in the uh, Super Bowl. I know that, you know, talking to some my Rams peeps, that's the expectation. Uh, they truly believe they have a Super Bowl caliber team, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Um, and I think that that's going to be beneficial for the Raiders to get out to Thousand Oaks uh, and practice against the kind of quality team that the Rams are. And I, I really believe that this year's version of the Raiders is in a much better position to compete, honestly, even in practice uh, with the Rams than they were a couple of years ago. I remember coming up, going up to Napa Valley 
with the Raiders or with the Rams in 2019. And there was a talent discrepancy. You could see some, you know, like Darren Waller, I remember seeing it. That was the first time uh, we saw Darren Waller. At least I saw Darren Waller up close and personal. Remember, that was when um, (laughs) uh, the wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers was just right in the middle of all that drama. So he wasn't out there. um, His name is escaping me, and uh, I don't mind that. considering everything that he caused uh, for, for, for the Raiders and my friends on the beat <laughs> that were pulling their head, hair out of their head, trying to keep up with everything that was going on uh, with all that Antonio Brown. Um, but you saw some talent with the Raiders. Uh, you knew Derek Carr you know, was a good quality running or quarterback. Josh Jacobs was a rookie running back. Um, you saw some of the some of the young players like Clee and, and, and Max Crosby and the, the offensive line, Colt Miller, uh, certainly. Uh, but you could tell that it wasn't a complete puzzle yet. Uh, that Raiders team in 2019 certainly wasn't a complete puzzle. And uh, I think they closed the gap. I think they found a whole bunch more pieces from 2019 to 2020, but it still wasn't a, a complete puzzle yet. Uh, that happens. It's hard to build. It's hard to, to complete that puzzle in the NFL, especially when you were missing as many pieces as John Gruden was missing when he got here. Uh, with the Raiders or and had and the uh, some of the pieces that he had to replace it takes a little while. There's only a certain amount of money that you can spend under the salary cap each year. There's only a certain amount of draft picks that you're going to have. Um, for the Raiders, I felt, did an excellent job building that offense. The offense has been a step ahead of that defense for a little while now. Uh, that was pretty obvious, uh, even in 2019. I think they're starting to close the gap on defense. Um, I think they've got talent there's a foundation there defensively um and i I think with a new coach gus bradley uh maybe he ties it all together but just going out to california to to practice against the rams i think is going to be beneficial and i'm i can't wait to see what it looks like uh as far as that raiders offensive line working against uh aaron donald and um and and that rams defensive line i know aaron donald is going to put them through the ringer and that's fine. It might not look great all the time. Uh, it doesn't always look great for the Rams offensive line when they have to deal with Aaron Donald uh, day in and day out, but that's fine. I remember talking to their former offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer and the message that he would have to, to his players. Good. You want to struggle, get it out of the way. First of all, very doubtful you're going to be playing anybody better than number 99 over there. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, it gets a whole lot easier when you're not dealing with that dude. And I think the Raiders will benefit from working uh, against Aaron Donald. And just to put how he can wreck a practice in perspective, Sean McVay's first year, and obviously Sean McVay was the offensive coordinator in Washington. He's an offensive coach. We all know that. It's it's practice one training camp in Irvine of Sean McVay's first year. And they end the practice with a good 20-minute 11-on-11 first-team offense, first-team defense. And no uh, uh, secret here, but on that day, the defense pretty much kicked the offense's butt, okay? And so we talked to Sean McVay after practice. And remember, this is Sean's first practice, first official practice as head coach. And we're gathered around him, we're talking to him, and I could see the red in Sean McVay's neck under, you know, he was he was fuming. He was pissed off, basically, right? And uh, he's usually one of the more personable guys that you're going to talk to, head coaches in the NFL. But you could tell that he was testy. Something was bugging him. He was mad. 
All right. And so I'm, I, at first I wasn't putting two and two together, but the more I, we talked to Sean McVay, the more I started realizing he's really pissed that, that his offense got the heck beat out of it by that defense. Like he's that competitive, right? So after, or it might've been the next morning, I was talking to somebody, um, you know, uh, in the Rams front office and I, and I told him, I go, Hey, I might be misreading the situation. I go, but it sure felt like Sean took that personally yesterday when the offense, uh, couldn't get it going against that defense. It it looked like he was pissed off about it. And, uh, the front office guy laughed and he's like, it's so funny. You should mention that because that is exactly what happened to the point where, that person had to pull Sean McVay aside and say, hey, hey, you know, and he was like, just, you know, muttering MF and all that, you know, just pissed that it wasn't the offense's day and the defense got the best of him. And the, the front office guy said, hey, look, Sean, you also coach the defense now. You're not just coaching the offense like you did uh, in Washington. This is your whole team. So look at it as a good thing that you got that defense. And McVay was like, yeah, you're right. You know, and we, we ended up, I ended up talking to him about it. He goes, I was livid. He goes, but then I realized, you know, that's my team too. But nevertheless, he, he hates when that happens. But Aaron Donald is liable to do that to any offense during any practice. And it's going to be interesting to watch him uh, in that in October 18th and 19th out in Thousand Oaks work against a very young, uh, in many ways, Raiders offensive line. Or offensive line. Uh, but I think it's going to be truly beneficial for them. Hey, just want to say thanks uh, to Carolyn uh, Mano for, for joining us. Uh, today, uh, she's going to be uh, coming back very soon uh, to talk to us, uh, updating us about the Olympics, the NFL, the uh, New England Patriots. Want to say thanks to all the callers. Thank you so much. Uh, you're why we do this. We appreciate the interaction and the engagement and the support. Want to say thanks to uh, Devon Cotton for doing everything he does uh, over at home base. Uh, Embajador Tequila, uh, appreciate all the efforts. Can't wait to start talking about some new uh, family members that are going to be jumping on board here as well. You guys have a great week. Um, I'm going to miss you guys. You know that. Uh, I'll be back on July 25th, Monday, the night before the opening of training camp. Be safe. Be well. Uh, enjoy it. Give Q Myers a, a listen, 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, he's got, he, The show's in great hands. Trust me. Uh, Q's going to be uh, teeing it up uh, over the next eight days or so. Uh, and then he's going to slide back uh, hosting his show, Unnecessary Roughness, from 2 to 4 p.m. here on Raider Nation Radio. And so... Uh, happy that he's got he's gonna have uh, my back uh, over these next eight days or so you guys are uh, in really good hands take care of yourself ciao uh, we'll talk to you in uh, a little over a week